Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I have a shout out cool. and a silent guest. I have two shout outs, actually, and a silent guest. First shout out is to Ben Cranda, um, who texted me the other day that he listened to his first ever Three Dogs North podcast. What? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it's his first one. I know. I know. Cranda. What's the opposite of a shout out? We should be able to, like, shout him in. Shout him in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where were okay. you, dude? Silence in. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, first one. So Ben, Molly, family, shout out, Crandas. Uh, second shout out and is also our silent guest today, William Defoe, the actor. Oh, mm-hmm. Willem? Willem. Defoe. Willem Defoe, yes. Um, and because I watched the movie Togo on Disney+, Plus, have you guys seen this advertised? No. No. So Togo, did you guys grow up with the movie Balto? Yes. Oh, the... I did see this. Uh, I think I saw this on um, previews when I went to see Star Wars. It's a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Movie? Mm-hmm. I really liked the movie, man. So I grew up with Balto, who was the dog that finished this. They call it the Race of Mercy. I preached. I used it as an intro to my homily this weekend, but it was 1925, and they had to use dog sled teams to get this medicine to like a, a town in Alaska where pretty much all the children were going to die if they didn't get the medicine within like six days. Whoa. And they could only <laughs> get it within 700 miles because everything was so frozen. And so dog sled teams, it was like a route that usually takes 25 days and teams ran through the night in this relay and they did it in like five and a half days. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow. Balto was the dog that finished. He was the lead dog that finished the, re- the relay. But Togo was the lead dog that did the hardest and longest stretch of the relay. So, awesome, awesome movie and really cool um, story. But there was this, it was just, it's just a good, like, I think it shows dogness in all its forms. Mm. Well, um, so I I feel like we need to, you know, I would, I would say this is a very, very rare exception where we don't send them the bill for advertising. Mm. Um, But I did like the movie, and there was this. If if watch it just for this scene, but apparently the guy that William Defoe uh, played was actually like the best dog sled musher in the world at the time. And to cut off a day <clears throat> from the relay, he took this like super risky short shortcut over like twenty miles of ice um, that could have cracked at like any point. And it was like negative 85 wind chill. Pretty crazy Holy Moses, stuff. man. And so they show, I mean, it's dramatized in the movie, but apparently that was like a real thing is that the guy took that shortcut and the dog Togo was like credited for navigating the ice in it. Mm. Um, and that's kind of why they were so famous at the, at the time. But William Defoe, so in the, in the movie, he, the, the ice starts to crack around them. And the dogs start to get scared, and he starts, like, encouraging the dogs. But he, he recites part of uh, the St. Crispin Day speech from Henry V of Shakespeare. Hmm. But he inserts, like, his dog's names and his own name in it. It's just a super, super cool 
movie scene. Um, so honestly, if nothing else, it's worth it. I just thought that scene was awesome. I love the St. Crispin Day speech. And um, yeah, it was really, really cool. So no big reflection past that besides just an endorsement to watch it. Togo. Is it animated? No. Mm-mm. No, it's not animated at all. Okay. But the dog is CGI'd, right? Um, I, it didn't seem it was like a real it. dog? Yeah, I would say, I think it's a real dog. Because uh, Balto, well, maybe Balto was animated. The, okay, yeah, was okay. Just thinking of. Yeah, that's yeah. an old Disney cartoon. Yeah, that's a Disney classic. I've got a um, a couple shout outs. So I was at SLS last week. How, yeah, can we, I can't believe we weren't there. Like, uh, how awful was it without us there? It was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was good. Uh, great, inspiring talks i mean i i was jazzed up myself to be honest coming home just feeling a a more acute call to holiness or deeply uh convicted but also just the potential and the love of the priesthood too you know when you're in this mm. sea of hundreds of priests processing up and you see the hunger of the people for christ and what the priest has to give i don't know it just makes more sense of of the vocation and I would say I get this about once a year or every other year. Like, hey, I should just go all the way and be totally a priest, you know? Hmm. Like, really say yes to this vocation. Because um, it's so easy to, to slip back into just leaning on your own talents or gifts to just kind of do a okay job. Mediocrity, basically. Um, I devoured this... Man, Man of the Beatitudes, Pierre Giorgio Frizzati book oh, yeah, yeah. on the airplane home and just read a story like that. And you're like, dude, uh, why not just be a saint? <laughs> What's the point of not doing that? Um, besides you're afraid. Uh, so it was good. It was good for me to be there. And I was really excited for our students who seem to get a lot out of it, both from the their own personal faith standpoint, but recognizing their role as leaders and evangelists and what the Newman Center could be, and mm. it's it's pretty cool. But a couple shout-outs. I, I, there was no way for anybody to know I was there. I don't think we mentioned it. Um, and we didn't podcast there, so it's kind of cool. I counted six people. I may be missing one or two, but I wrote them down as I was leaving so I wouldn't forget who they were. Six people who came up to me and made me feel special by saying, are you Father Seabisk? <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> there's a guy named joe and i couldn't remember his last time i he was the first one that came up to me but i was with d mac and chris Carstens, and he came up and asked if i was father biscuit um which made me feel cool in front of them he's a very cool guy uh this girl josie who remembered me from mount 2000 uh at, in emmitsburg at the seminary there she was in high school when i gave a couple talks at that retreat and then started listening to the podcast and has been listening since, is now in college, killing it at the Focus Conference. This guy, Brian, who's now applying for seminary, who I, I think is a missionary right now, um, says our podcast was instrumental. Uh girl, Marissa, who actually is from Georgia and knows Mary Margaret. I saw Mary Margaret there, by the way. Um, nice. Yeah, she told me she saw you. Matt's sister. So I think one of her colleagues, Marissa, uh, is a listener. Daniel Sexton, who's also a uh, missionary down in South Alabama, which is a bit redundant, but, um, <laughs> and then, uh, Father Patrick Finn, 
I met him actually in line in one of the processions and he he's a, a fan and is from Maine. He just emailed us, I carbon copied you guys. Um, so those six people and whoever else was at SLS and didn't say hi. Thanks for listening. Shout outs. Yep. That's very cool. Did you meet a girl named Marie who is also a focus missionary at Lindenwood? Ooh. I think she texted me that she met you. Yeah, that sounds right. She's awesome. Shout mm-hmm. out. Also, I, if you have anything else, please feel free. But thank you and shout out to Sister Carolyn who texted me. Of course, maybe, Sister Carolyn. Maybe the greatest picture <laughs> ever because it was just Sister Carolyn, Martha Griswold, and two llamas. So I don't know how it happens. I don't know why it happens, but I'm very glad that it happened. <laughs> yeah, it was great talking to her and her uh, her sister, who's the um, principal at St. Thomas More in Champaign. I have a good friend that's teaching Latin there now. Um, they're great. A couple of characters, those two. Martha G. Well, I got to give a shout out to um, my folks came up and visited uh, my parish here in Rome, and I took them to some parishioners' homes, and it just had like a couple families come together, and one of the moms hosted and had this beautiful dinner, and it was a ton of fun. But my dad, nobody knows in Rome about the podcast. I haven't told anybody about it. I've kept it under wraps. And my dad spilled the beans at this big dinner. And Microphone, Mike. Oh, can you hear me? Yep. We coming in all right? All right. Um, dad spilled the beans at the dinner. And so people at the parish found out that I have a podcast. So my guess is we have 2,000 more listeners or 2,400 <laughs> more listeners. So I got to give a shout out to the people of Rome, Georgia. Rome, nice. Georgia. The best Rome. Um any I've always listeners. loved Rome in January. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably very different than where you guys are. It's like 60. No, it's probably about 50. 50 and sunny. It's beautiful. Well, this is a killer episode. Mostly shout outs and weather talk, uh, <laughs> which is what people come here for. Uh, yep. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. So good. Yeah, doing doing all right. Hanging in there. Um I like I said, I'm looking forward to this priest retreat that I have going on, but this is my first Christmas and New Year's in a parish. And so, you know, firsts are always fun. Um my pastor has been out of town for a little bit doing his after Christmas vacation days and um it's I mean it's been busy. You got to celebrate a lot of masses and visit a lot of people in the hospitals. Um but it's been very fulfilling doing it. And I have realized that I am susceptible to I I guess I didn't know this in seminary um or last year studying because for the most part my my task was just to be really present to what I was doing. I didn't you know, I had maybe like the rest of the year planned out of doing the same things that I was always going to be doing. Um, but in the parish, you have you have so many th- different things that approach you on the horizon that I have discovered I am quick to uh, believe the lie that like I need to worry about 
certain things that come off that are coming in the distance and especially during December there was a lot of different events and a lot of different things that called my attention and it was actually kind of tough to be present to what was going on in front of me um because I well I noticed this tendency to like really look ahead to make sure that I had everything planned and um it kind of took me out of the moment and let some lies creep in during the holiday season which um it's good like I know about it now I I I guess I didn't know I was so prone to do that um but when your schedule is is not super consistent that you have like I have all these different things different activities different places different locations um like my brain it just jumps all over the place and I played a lot of the well what if game like well what if this happens and I'm here and I'm not ready to be there and and you have to talk a lot as a priest holy cow people people just always want you to say something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey welcome you want to speak some words into this event and you're like i guess so yeah. i guess we do now um so you don't do i guess at some points you do a lot of listening but you do a lot of talking yes and i like to be prepared when i speak contrary to this podcast and um you can't if i always worried about what was coming down the pipe well, I've no, it, it inhibits me from enjoying the present as the gift that it is. Um, so I think I let the evil one kind of slip in. No, I totally did. And play the what if game. Um, and it kind of, it not only gave him power over the future of like, hey, this is coming and, uh, and it's going to be doom and gloom because you can't possibly prepare for all of it. Um, but it, it also took away from the present. So, uh, December was, it was a little bit tricky, um, but it was good to, you know, that's how you have spiritual direction and, um, and priest friends like mm-hmm. to kind of be able to speak those things and identify like, Oh, that's not real. That's not true. Um, so the Lord's been like breathing a lot of life into those lies. Um, and yeah, it's been great. But again, I'm looking forward to that, that retreat to be just totally present and let the Lord kind of love me right there in, in the present moment and not have to worry about anything. Whew, that's going to be awesome. So I don't know if y'all have that tendency as well to to allow planning and preparation for the future to turn into a worry that you give your peace away to. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the best way to say it. I gave my peace away to worrying about the future. I would say that that's not necessarily my dragon, but I think I know the feeling, which is I've been thinking more and more about the word acedia, like a lethargy uh, or sadness around spiritual things. I think that 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 happens when you get out of the present moment. You know, something something pulls you out, whether into fantasy or escapist kind of behavior, or yeah, that what if could be oh man, something bad's going to happen. Or it could be what if, like, oh, something good to look forward to. Like you were talking about before we started recording about like that reward of looking forward to pulling you out of the moment. Um, I was reading this uh, Deacon Jim Keating article 
just now before we started on boredom. And because uh, that's the thing I struggle with sometimes, uh, or fear of boredom of the daily routine. It's, it's an article about ordinary time and um, what we are about ordinarily. There's this high, this paragraph I highlighted that I think I'm going to go back to, but it said something to the effect of, you know, our tendency to escape through ordinary routine, everyday stuff is uh, a result of our our fleshliness or the sarks in the Greek, um, like being a person of the flesh rather than of the spirit or in contradistinction to the body, which is the soma, this like thing in time, um, and in space limited, like in your circumstances, you find yourself in, that's who you are. That's your life is your body in a place in time. Nowhere else are, is your life. And so while it's, while it's spiritual, like you are an embodied spirit. There's no other life than the one you're living right now with your body in space and time. And being part of what he calls a Eucharistic culture is that that body in time is meant to be given away or given up. Um, which is what I see in the Frizzati story, that he was so formed by the Eucharist, being a daily communicant and going to nighttime yeah. adoration. And then hmm. he gave his life away every day in this ordinary routine thing. Um, that nobody even noticed, you know, cause he was going to school and on Sunday he'd go climb mountains, but, uh, he was in that routine of like, this is my life. These are the concrete circumstances. These are the people in my life. And that's what I see is like, I, I don't take the opportunities I have in my way. This is what I mean about like, why not just go be a saint? Why not really live your vocation as not in the sense of like, I'm just going to go a go ham and really try hard, you know, be really ascetical and disciplined and win a lot of heaven points. Um, you know, what was the, the other option there? It, it's, it's more like just saying yes to the, to the ways that you get to be drawn into that dynamic of Eucharist, like being given away. Um, and it is its own reward. Like you live a more charming life. The less you, there was this line, uh, sister Bethany Madonna had on the last day of SLS that just had to write it down on my phone because it was bowled me over. She just goes self-seeking rots the heart. And I was like, that's it, man. That's my life. That's the lesson I'm learning over 34 years and continuing to learn is that you think going after whatever you want is going to fill your heart, but it rots your heart. And the only way to get filled is to, is to like open the valve and empty yourself out. You know what I mean? Hmm. So yeah, we're getting worried and pulled out of the moment and all that stuff. It's like this, it's this fear of actually living life or doing life the the way it's meant to be done or what it's for, which is a gift to be received and then given away. Translate that a little bit because you can, I think you can fall into that of you. Sometimes I think you can hear that as like volunteer more or like overextend yourself even more. Does that make sense? So flesh that's, out yeah. what you were oh, just so saying a little bit. Yeah. That's the other thing is like uh, the other option besides just, I'm going to go ham and 
try really hard is that I'm going to get used. I'm going to make, I'm going to let myself be an object of other people's use, you know? Uh, and that I feel like happens in the priesthood a lot. Um, is that you become, you become an instrument or a means in other people's self-seeking. Uh, even if it's like spiritual self-seeking, they use you and that's not healthy for either person, the priest or the, the one using the priest. But when it becomes this relationship of actual reciprocity and mutual self-gift, um, you know, like a husband and a wife, or even in a certain way, like a parent and a child, uh, the child doesn't have much to offer, but the parent doesn't find it like, like, oh, you're using me, you know, because there's this already personal belonging between the two people because of their relationship. Um, I'm just talking specifically from the priest perspective, but I think it probably applies to everybody. Like, it can't just be a an impersonal, like, the more I volunteer, the more good I do, the better. Because that's sort of missing the point. Like, you're still on your own, separated, like an atomized individual. Uh, rather than like an extension of God, you know, you're, you're part of his body. And in order to like fulfill your nature as part of his body, you have to be broken and given away and then transformed and resurrected and like all the good that comes from belonging to God. But it costs you in a certain way, like your own individual autonomy, your ability to, to write your own story or live your own life the way you want to self-seeking basically. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's a personal sacrifice rather than a just either a self-improvement plan or like a, I'm just going to let everybody walk all over me and, and not do anything good for me. Cause then you just start saying like, Oh, well I work so hard during the week. I, I need a day off and I'm going to go to the spa or play golf or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but I don't want to work for the weekend either. Um, and if I'm going to recreate, I want to recreate excellently like Frizzati, go up in the mountains and do something awesome. You know, <laughs> Rob, so what do you think of that? Um, I don't know. I was thinking I, I need to think on it a little bit more, I think, because I'm, I'm not saying you're you're wrong. It just seems a little bit abstract at that level. Um, I was I just listened to this podcast on art of manliness that do you remember it was a couple of years ago. I think we talked about it on the podcast the guy who wrote the book condensing is it like Charles Taylor or something that wrote life in a secular age? Yeah. Mm. You remember that? Okay. And that guy's really, I can't remember his name, but he's really swift. And he wrote a new book called, uh, something like on the road with St. Augustine. And so they just had like an hour long conversation on St. Augustine, which was really cool. And they compared him in the trajectory of, um, a lot of modern existentialist philosophers. And so the guy, I, I don't know much about him, but the guy was really big on and knew a lot about Camus. Um, have you guys ever read much by, by him? I read the stranger. For, okay. Uh, philosophy it was, it was, I was very intrigued because I have not read this guy at all. And, um, but they just talked a lot about him, but anyway, I would say like, just one of the things that he, he went back to a couple of times was just one of the, uh, I think how I understood him was 
like maybe a point of clarity in Augustine that you wouldn't get in the moderns so much or maybe differ a little bit or I don't know how he would word it, but but pretty much Augustine is very clear on the distinction of like understanding the danger and how individualism is not um in a sense human in, in a lot of ways. It's just not how we're wired to to flourish. But individuality or personality is. And I just I thought how they fleshed out that distinction was was really cool. And uh I didn't like I was in the car, so I didn't take notes on it or anything like that. But I was like, man, I'd like to think about that more of individualism being like I have to invent myself, you know, which we see it that's prevalent just everywhere in like so many ways or I have to earn this or I have to, you know, pull up my bootstraps and and do this thing or I mean you also see it in like it's oftentimes language that I don't understand a lot of like the um like go find yourself, go invent yourself type type mentality of of the world. Um Whereas, like, a proper ordering of your life is, like, there is an individuality to it in that, like, you are discovering who who you are, but at a much, much deeper level, like, really in tune with with reality and your depths and, and how you're meant and designed to, um, to flourish. So, anyway, I'll, I'll kind of throw that out there. Feel free to like keep moving or whatever. But that's what I was thinking on when you were talking. Hmm. And hey, can you maybe flesh out a little bit how that connects to what Connor was talking about with that choice to be present and to give yourself as a gift away? Like what made you think of that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was just, yeah, the whole, the whole language. And I agree totally with that part of what you were saying, Bisque of, um, I mean that's the the law of the gift thing of um you know your being in- increases by the capacity in which you give it you give it away um and that's really like really true I just don't know exactly what it means always because I'm not very good at it yeah. um so I I just kind of saw that as another like m- I don't know maybe another side of the lens or or whatever it is I don't know why I thought of it honestly of um, the more we try to invent ourselves and create ourselves, I, I think that's just a, a, a false road, a trick road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe yeah, that's well, how, it, how it connects there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe something that will either make it even blurrier or um, I guess just to add another ingredient into the conversation. One of the things that I've been really mulling over is the difference uh, um, the difference between being formed like by love by God and trying to form yourself in some fashion that you think you're supposed to be um, and well that wasn't very good um, let me try that again <laughs> um, I get it that that uh, I think for it's really easy to believe in maybe in the guise of humility or oh i hear the word a, a lot i mean the idea of acceptance and abandonment abandonment to the divine will that's not a that's not a, a nothing choice like you don't just totally give up yourself 
um, and then God like works you like a robot machine. Yeah, that's right. That's not the way that it works. That like, okay, I'm just going to take my hands off the control sticks and then God's going to step in and he's going to drive me like a machine. But um, what you're talking about is we can, you you actually have to choose to be formed by God instead of choosing to create yourself. Um, And so like, I mean, both obviously imply some sort of a choice. But I think for a long time I had this misunderstanding and I, and I hear a lot of people talk about it. Like, I'm just going to give up anything that I want, anything that I desire, anything of my own choice, of my own will, of my own volition, and I'm just going to let God take over. And I'm just going to sit here like um, like Jello, and then God's going to do all this work. And I.e. let all my individuality or personality be erased, yeah. basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, which is not, that's like, we still do have personality. We still have, we still do have individuality, but not to create ourselves. That's, that's not, that's a misuse of it, but our personality and our individuality and our legitimate hearts that God gives us authority and dominion over and volition and choice and freedom and freedom. It's like, no, he actually gives you the grace to choose to give that to God to be formed in love. And so the answer isn't to not make a choice and to sit there as if you were jello and to give up yourself in the name of humility or abandonment or something like that. I think the invitation is actually to, to choose to give yourself totally to God to be formed. And what that looks like on the day to day is like every moment is being given to us. We really, we really believe that. And so choosing to engage each moment, not in the way that we want or in the way that we're going to create ourselves, but now I'm going to choose to actually give myself away to this moment and then to be formed by divine, by the divine action of love um, in, in a, a gift of, of love to other people, to the Lord, and, and to be loved by him in that way. Um, and so it's, that's totally different, both... I mean, our our wills are still absolutely necessary to it, um, but it's I guess it's like what is our will bent towards? Um, yeah, as you can see, I'm still kind of thinking all of that out. Yeah, and it's hard not to be abstract because this stuff is so personal. You don't want to get too in detail. You know, everybody's wrestling with this stuff. Sure, um, this is sure. some of the most sacred ground one can walk on as for spiritual directors and stuff so it's no wonder that we're not (laughs) diving into the details of like oh for my own story (laughs) this is what i've been super attached to and found difficult to let god have mastery over but i think that's ah man it is true it's like right to the heart of the matter which is probably why we go here a lot um it's like who am i what do i really want what am i doing here uh does God love me? <laughs> These big questions. And I, I think that does get right to the heart of it is like I, over time, I, you know, I wasn't able to be a saint when I first like tried, started trying to be one when I was like 19 or 20, when I thought this was a worthwhile thing. When I, when I was going to focus conferences for the first time and like, yeah, why not? Let's just do it. Let's, let's master our flesh and, 
you know, put the spiritual up first and why can't I just be a saint? Because I didn't know myself, you know, um, or God. And it was just a program for like, yeah, I really admire that, that person. Uh, and I want to be like them, but there, I didn't have the kind of freedom to be able to choose it, you know? And the way that, the way that, uh, God has sort of gently invited me into holiness and a vocation and that law of the gift has been a lot more simple uh, than I ever thought it would be. You know, it's like, hey, give me this or, get, let, you know, trust me with this. And it's like the littlest thing, but it's actually the heart of the matter. And it's the, like the, my deepest yeah. fear or something. And he's like, yeah, just give it over. And I'm like, fine. Uh, wait, no, hold on. Let me give it, take it back. And, and he's like, all right. Yeah, no big deal. I'll, I'll be here. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the simplest thing, but it's, um, hmm. you know, the great divorce has great examples of that. Uh, like the people on the threshold of heaven, not willing to become real, you know, like the guy with the iguana on his shoulder that is lying to him and all these different yeah, people in the, yeah. and the, the things that sort of stand in their way that make them choose not to be real, not to be alive, not to say yes to the source of all life, which that that's maddening when you start realizing like I do this constantly. We all do. Um, we say no to God, yeah. which no, is crazy. <laughs> it is. I think we're, I, after that, I, I definitely think we're saying the same thing. Cause that's also what I was thinking of is like in all of that, as i mean totally it has to be abstract in that in that way um to talk about it but at the same time i was always i was also thinking like hey but i've i've seen this as well like in human beings um and it i would say like it's interesting because it does look <laughs> maybe that's part of maturing or i don't know you know in in so many ways but it oftentimes looks so much simpler and um in such little ways compared to when I was, yeah, 10 years ago or, or whatever. And it, and it, it did, it always starts with, and there's always an appeal towards like, oh man, what does living the life of a saint look like? It's like, you gotta be, you know, yeah. Giving the big, like the big keynote talk at a focus conference or something like that. And, um, I don't know. I mean, it, this is in no way derogatory towards the focus conference, which which rock hard. And I've had the chance to meet like several of those kind of big name speakers. And the, man, they just blow you away oftentimes in person. Yeah, they really do. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But then I've also had the chance to meet like, I don't know. I like, what would you call like Catholic celebrities or, or whatnot? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'll just talk like very openly here and I, I don't want to pass any judgment on them because maybe they're having a bad day or whatever, but it's like, oh, wow, you are like really kind of a jerk in real life, <laughs> um, you know? And it's like, wow, actually, I think holiness is, has been right in front of me for in, in totally different ways for a long time that I'm just kind of learning how to see. Yeah. 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 Man, the eyes to see. Yeah. Because another... I guess realization and frustration before the realization comes in is, um, yeah, the expectation of what we think holiness is supposed to look like. And I guess I fall into that trap. I realize I fall into that trap a lot as a priest with myself. 
like man what i i could not want this more but it's not the way that i think it should be and i'm trying to do everything that i can to make that happen but realizing that oh like i'm actually incapable of making that happen which means that i have to totally trust god and like continue to choose to do the littlest things, to pray the breviary every single day, to try to pray my holy hour every single day. Um, and like knowing that I'm not the one who's going to make it happen. And that is so frustrating, mm-hmm. <laughs> but is maybe like the most important thing I'll ever learn in my whole life. Um, and I guess growth and holiness for me this December has been like learning that over a long period of time that like, no, God loves me right now, right where I am, that he's proud of me as his priest. And in some, he doesn't want me to be any different. Um, and the desire for me to be, you know, for things to be different insofar as that they're from the Lord um, and that they're leading to peace and joy. Like, God is going to make those things happen. And so I guess holiness for me is this is December has been like sitting in the tension of um, recognizing imperfection and um, and trusting that to God, that even the things are not the way that I think that they should be. Um, like they are how God has created them right now. And so can I accept that? Can I accept it as the gift that it is? And that has been like legitimate eye surgery for mm-hmm. my heart of trying to trying to not make reality different than what it actually is in the name of what I think is best. Dude, and that takes intense trust in God and like serious real deal choosing to accept. Um, and it's humbling because you realize one, I, I physically, like, I actually can't do it due to my limitations of being a human being. I'm incapable of changing this. And so I'm going to choose, like, to do these little things that that I know I'm totally convicted that God is asking me to do. Hmm. Um, Man, and that's, that's not, (laughs) it was, I guess it's not big time, big time holiness, but... Uh, like that's, I guess I grew a lot in humility. Um, and uh, like, I think that's something I can take to the bank for a long time. Um, yeah. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. And I would just add that we're probably of all the Catholic celebrities, probably the holiest and most humble. For sure. 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 Like when people meet us at seek next year, um, which would undoubtedly have us headline as like the main podcast, maybe as a keynote podcast. I would assume our podcast will be the main keynote of the mm-hmm. conference. And then when everybody's lining up afterwards to get us to sign the book that they bought that we've no doubt written by then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are throwing a lot out there. <laughs> I thought that they cre- so genuine and sincere and be like, wow, those guys are so they're for being so amazing. They're really actually pretty normal down to earth dudes. Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? That's at least what yeah. I hope that they say or think. What if we don't get around to writing the book and then just like 
out of sheer panic, we just buy a bunch of other books that we give to people <laughs> and good. say, and yeah, sign like, could we, yeah, I'd sign them. Could we do that? Just sign someone else's book. Yeah. Probably. Like, we should buy some classic that's like kind of like a penguin classic. <laughs> you can just buy in bulk for cheap, like a Dickens book or something. Just sign that. Like <laughs> Pride and Prejudice or that's Jane Austen. But... <laughs> Dude, maybe we should go and give them away. We should we should give our book away at Seek. The book that doesn't exist yet. Hey, whoa! Nobody <laughs> knows that. Well, now they do. Dang I thought it was gonna be an ebook. Can you give an ebook away? <laughs> okay, look, we'll print it off. Okay, <laughs> like we'll paper? print them off and have them like stapled together. <laughs> <laughs> and like, sell those, or like a class them. handout or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just we'll be sign signing them. those. We'll sign them. <laughs> oh man that's a good idea we should give them away mm -hmm. or sign people's kindles or whatever just the back of them <laughs> or the front <laughs> the actual screen of the kindle <laughs> with a paint pens nice uh man this is deep and intense but uh i do have to get going how about the illinois basketball team huh rob well you know we're kind of up and down but i like we won the way they look though yeah, we looked real good. That was Purdue a couple nights ago. We looked real good. I like our big men. Yeah, he's good. So is Georgie. No, we got a, we got a good team. We should have a couple more wins than we do, but yeah. we have a good team. Yeah, the Bulldogs came in and beat Memphis the other day. Oh, wow, nice. Memphis we have, got a real good team this year, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I wow. think there were nine. Uh, we nice. have one guy on our team. They call him the Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, and he'll be like the number one or two Pick man picked in in the draft yeah wasn't He's that goose in top gun yeah what would you call him ant-man ant-man a-n-t-m-a-n isn't anthony edwards the guy anthony? who played goose in top gun oh oh i don't know oh i'm not sure you're thinking of val kilmer or is that ice man that's ice no. man yeah that's ice man you're thinking of tom cruise yeah right, that's maverick ah. <laughs> maverick what was I, i've never heard Pat of was he? What was his uh, call sign? His call sign was Gabby. Gabby G A B B Y. G A B B Y for what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, are we still recording? <laughs> was it an old girlfriend or something? <laughs> What's that? Was it an old girlfriend or his dog's name? No, no, for a different reason. It's a secret. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you once we once we get off air. Offline. Yeah. For those of you who are, are Patreon subscribers, you'll hear this in the additional Three Dogs North After Dark. Oh. Actually, no. You can subscribe for $3,000 a month. <laughs> We've a never deal. thought about that. We've never done that. Although I did have an idea for a t-shirt. I wished we had I'd thought of this before Christmas so people could have bought them as stocking stuffers. Just a shirt that says, wait, should I say it? I don't know. I think we should. I, I'll tell you offline, but it's a t-shirt idea that I think. Dang, cliffhanger. Ooh, man. man. Like that. All right. Knowing how we, we never come back to topics. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's just going to get this, lost in the mix. Yeah, this is, this is going to be lost in the sauce. That's for sure. I'll All write right. that book someday, though. <laughs> I'm going to cut it. I'm going to cut it. Cut, cut it. it. Three Dogs North are Juice, 
Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.